Have you ever felt like there isn't enough time in the day or like you don't have time to take care of your well-being and build your dream? Or maybe you felt like it's impossible for you to go to work and still build that business that you envision at the same time. Well, so have we. And this is why we decided to make this podcast. This podcast is not just for PTs, OTs, MDs, or RNs. It's for everyone in healthcare. Our mission is to inspire you to make healthcare a better place and to build your business or brand through stories and real-life examples of some of the top leaders and entrepreneurs in healthcare. There's no better time than now. Welcome to Off the Clock, the Healthcare Entrepreneurs Podcast. Welcome to another edition of Off the Clock, the Healthcare Entrepreneurs Podcast. Guys, as always, I'm your co-host, Mr. Carl Boyne Jr., joined by my main man, Paulo Chang. Paul, say what's up to the people. Uh, how you guys doing? I've recently been told that I talk too much at the beginning, so I'm going to keep this one short, because apparently <laughs> I ramble. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm just going to say what's up what's to y'all. Up? Hope y'all are staying safe out here. All right. Thank you, Paul. Now, moving on, we have another special guest in the house. Today, we have the pleasure of sitting down and talking with Mr. Antoine Williams. Mr. Williams, thank you. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. How you feeling? Good, man. I appreciate y'all for the opportunity, Antoine. Some may know me as Tuan or, or AD, so I appreciate the opportunity, man. Yeah, absolutely. Off the clock is spot on. Just left the hospital, so I yes, had to take a mental break and, and chat with y'all and chop it up. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, let's, let's dive right into it. Tell us what you do. What made you choose that path? Healthcare. I'll break it up into pieces. Florida State University, must say that, go no. Started off as many first-generation students bouncing around, chasing the dollars, as I would say, you know, engineering, et cetera. And had the good fortune of meeting some awesome people who introduced me to business and then the business of healthcare, as I like to describe it. Had a chance to meet people like Dr. Asha, who you all met at the time. She was just Asha. And she connected me with her father, and we, we chopped it up got my master's, uh, moved to Pennsylvania for a little while and, and did a fellowship there. And 10 years later in the industry, in multiple roles, I'm now an administrator with Orlando Health. So I specifically support our children's platform. So Arnold Palmer Hospital for Children and then our women's platform. So Winnie Palmer Hospital for Children. I know both of you are uh, pursuing the physical therapy route. So I work with all of our allied health services. So I oversee our, our therapeutic services. So audiology, physical therapy, occupational therapy, all that good stuff. And then some of the business side of things, so financial departments, security, engineering, everything to keep the lights on. So I have good fortune of working with some awesome clinicians and also some people that help us keep business moving and keep the uh, strategy flowing, man. So it's been a wonderful journey. Crazy times right now, but I love the industry, man, and, and happy to, to just work with some, some truly, truly fascinating people who you know, put their life on the lines every day. It's been a blessing. I think this is one of those times where healthcare really gets to shine. We have an opportunity for people to kind of realize how important healthcare is, how important it is to have people in the positions that we're in, because without us, this mess would be even worse than it is right now. Definitely shout out to you, salute to you for holding it down. I see right now you got on the, the Young Health Leader Summit. Yeah, uh, yeah, so yeah. So talk to us about that a well, little that's, um, you know, if we, we think it in terms of, of superheroes, I like to use the Batman analogy by day, 
as I said, I have the privilege of working for an awesome health system who's, who's doing great things, has some awesome clinicians that I get to partner with. And then by night, myself and a number of others have the pleasure of uh, co-founding and running the Advancement Lead platform with the mission being pushing our people, the world, and communities to focus on health over everything. So really, we started off in, like I said, in the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania. We had about 25 people drive out to Danville, Pennsylvania, if you know where that's at. Kudos to you, because not many people do. Just talking about everything you can imagine that's wrong with the industry, lack of access, disparities, lack of emphasis on social determinants of care. The conferences sucked, and we said, you know what, we're, we're done talking. Let's build something. Let's have more conversations, but more importantly, let's do more about it. Let's get out to the community. Let's partner with people that have been doing it. And let's also, to your point, pull up the entrepreneurs and the innovators and the tech-savvy individuals who are trying to do things across the world. Fast forward three years, we just came off of our third summit in the Durham, North Carolina area. So that's where this sweatshirt came from. We had over 150 individuals across the spectrum of healthcare coming together, talked through ideas, gave over $15,000 to the local community, really built in some sustainable things. So our big thing is not only coming, eating good, talking about things, but leaving a sustainable impact. So our community impact challenge was phenomenal. We still have a team to this day kind of working on opportunities, even through this COVID mess. Yeah man just keeping it going we had the last conference before some of the cdc recommendations and mandates man so we're still basking in that good energy and we can't wait to get back to regular life to get more of it done you gotta make a comment about danville yeah i only know about danville from like phineas and ferb wow <laughs> so, and is that even danville pennsylvania because you know it's a few i don't know i think they're like yeah. i think the show is kind of like that tri-state so, area we're near Scranton, okay. Wilkes-Barre, and a lot of people know it because of the office based out of that whole area. So, okay. yeah, all that good stuff. That's about it. That's all I got. All right. So you gave us a Pennsylvania geography lesson. All right. Yeah. So this thing I want to know is probably from the administrator's point of view, too. I'm actually curious about because I think for a lot of us, we're hearing a lot about like the frontline workers, the nurses, the, the doctors, the surgeons and everything. We don't hear a lot about the administrator side of things. Yeah. How you guys are handling this whole situation for you guys? It's like you're seeing the women's seeing the kids and you're like, OK, now you got to deal with all of those people, all of these things. Mm-hmm. And like mm-hmm. systems that are in place to succeed. What are you doing from the administration side of you to ensure success? Yeah, I think if we do everything right from an administrative standpoint, you hear very little from us. I think appropriately so, a lot of the shine is on the frontline teams, not only the clinicians, but also your EVS staff, your food and nutrition staff who are delivering the trays, your security team members. You know, at many of these hospitals are the first point of contact for these patients. So there are a number of individuals doing awesome work every day. We have the pleasure of really just breaking down barriers and making their jobs a lot easier. And also just from a proactive standpoint, getting out into the challenges that they may face seven days, 14 days, 21 days down the line. So it's really our job to make sure that they have everything they need. So we hear a lot about EPE. We hear a lot about bed shortages. We hear a lot about not enough supplies. So our job is to make sure that those barriers are non-existent. And then on top of that, making sure that they have the mindset and the energy to take on these challenges day to day. So it's a lot of making sure that they feel great about the work that they're coming into. And a lot of like feeling great comes from feeling safe. And then to the proactive piece and kind of that outlook, monitoring the projections, looking at the numbers and saying, hey, we're going to trans- be transparent in our financial projections. We're going to be transparent about what we're seeing, not only within our hospital as it relates, but also what we're seeing in our market and beyond, whether the outlook is is grim or starting to look good as this as it is now in our four corner market and even across the country, we're starting to see 
a linear decrease in cases across all four counties. So that's not only Orange County, but Osceola, Similar, and Lake. So less cases over the grand scheme of things, less COVID positive patients in our hospital. And it's just been fantastic. So that transparency, hey, we're not going to lie to you. Things aren't good financially. We're losing millions of dollars every day. But what you can reassure is that we're we're already talking about how to get back to business and how to get back to regular life. So just that reassurance and making sure they had all the right resources is, uh, in my mind, kind of the administrative role. I feel like in your role, there has to be various points where you feel a lot of pressure on yourself or you feel like there's a lot of weight on your shoulders. When that starts to happen and you get into situations like this pandemic, which was not what we expected it to turn into. How are you able to still keep yourself leveled and knowing that you're in a leadership position where you have other people, you know, looking at you and, and kind of counting on you to lead them in the right direction? How are you able to balance that to still nourish the fact that, okay, I'm a human being, I have feelings, and this can be stressful, but at the same time, I'm still a leader and I got to make sure that I lead my people in the right direction. How are you balancing that? I think you touched on a super important word and that is nourish, you know, so as a leader before you can even put yourself in a position to communicate effectively to others or to even lead people, you must nourish yourself. So that's knowing when to hit the reset button, whether that's every day when you lead the office, knowing what you need to decompress, whether that's working out or praying or meditating and just finding that center of gravity and keeping a steady head. I think throughout this whole thing, the leaders that I've admired have kept a steady head. They've been calm in their response. They've been knowledgeable knowledgeable and intelligent and they haven't we don't use the word react we're responding we're responding COVID-19 and I think even that choice of words is intentional so taking care of yourself as a person that's one thing that our leadership continues to instill in us and that's one thing that I tell the people that I have the opportunity of leading who will come to me is take some time if that's at lunch taking a 12-minute walk in between things if that's working out at night if getting an extra hour of sleep lying on your leadership team. Hey, I'm going to come in an hour later to get some more rest, I think. Communication and taking care of yourself, and to your point, nourishing is super important for this day and age and also for anything. All right, so here, here's a different question. Kind of looking back to how you even got into administration, what were the first few steps that led you in the way? Because, you know, you mentioned like chasing the coin and engineering and all this. What was it that said, all right, this is my path? Yeah. So a combination of failing forward. So engineering was going well. I had a couple of prereqs that kind of knocked me out of the runnings and, and I already had a business background from an experience standpoint. I worked all throughout high school in Kmart. You know, retail was something I knew through an organization called En-ROSE. I had the pleasure of doing an internship with Target, executive internship. At the same time, I was pledging. So that's a whole other story. I don't know if I'll call the experience successful, but what it did tell me is that there was no way in hell that I was going to work in the retail for the rest of my life. I pivoted worked hard to get into the College of Business at Florida State. And that in itself is a story. And then to the point of meeting good people, my advisor of the fraternity, Lewis Dilbert, put me in touch with at the time, a woman named Leslie Satcher. She was the director of the health center. She sat me down. She oriented me on healthcare leadership, kind of what it took. And from there, that conversation and her willing to take that time with me to mold me, push me to get my master's and, and kind of go from there. So I think meeting the right people early on, set that foundation and laid that tone. So it's to your point, the whole premise of this podcast is important, man, to get these stories out and put these people in front of the masses because it does make a difference. I think that being in your position, 
One thing that really makes me curious is we talked about nourishment. We talked about the leadership aspect of everything. And you just mentioned being able to apply your business background. When it comes to healthcare and it comes to business, how do you feel that combination is effective? Not just like in your role, but in a role as an entrepreneur when you combine those two. I feel like the health aspect, when you think about health, you think about caring, you think about words like compassion, healing, empathy, and I think those pieces are the foundation of the industry. And I don't think without those services, all those foundational elements I think are important, both as a healthcare entrepreneur and also as a, just a healthcare entity, whether it be the provider side of the things or the payer side of the things. I feel like when you have those, it kind of gives your organization a soul, but in order to fulfill that vision in a sustainable way and make it to where it's effective over a long period of time. And if you really, really believe in what you're doing, make it effective over the masses. You have to have the business piece of it. And that's just that's just the way the world works. And if you believe in what you're doing, the business piece of it and having a clear understanding of your book of business and your market and what you need to succeed, you can't ignore that because it's one thing to feel good, but you can feel good and, and not be able to deliver on your mission. So I think the business piece is, is important to be able to deliver on your mission. So word to the wise is to continue to study and know your book of business from an entrepreneur standpoint or for your company, like the back of your hand. Can't ignore that, so great question. I think that's very important. What tends to happen as, especially focusing specifically on healthcare entrepreneurs, I think that sometimes we can get so invested in the entrepreneur part of it that we forget that the healthcare aspect is still a big component of it because you hit a lot of really good points. And when I think about healthcare and I think about the word healthcare and the word entrepreneur coming together, to me, I think that's one of the most powerful forms of an entrepreneur there can be. Mm -hmm. Because with healthcare, you have to be able to have that certain level of empathy. You have to be able to have that level of care. Like you said, you have to be able to communicate well with people. And when you think about businesses and you think about building a brand or starting a clothing line or starting a podcast or whatever the case may be, and you look at all the different ranks that you have to kind of go through in order to level up through those different businesses and different entities that you might want to be involved in. And you kind of look back on healthcare and all of those things we, we named, the caring, the leadership, the communicating. Those are all the things that you can translate into your business that help you run that thing more efficiently. Those are the little things that people often overlook but they make the biggest difference when it comes to building and it comes to being able to have something that's going to give you longevity. Yeah. I think for myself and Paul, that's something that we've had to realize as well, because maybe about two or three weeks ago now, we added some interns onto our team. And so for us, we're always thinking about, okay, how can we make sure we're communicating effectively to them? How can we make sure we're showing them that we care? And it's not just about doing whatever task we delegate to them. Like, no, like you have to see the person first and then you see the role. And I think that's something that a lot of healthcare entrepreneurs miss. So when it gets to like sales and trying to get more clients and more patients, we oftentimes get so focused on that dollar amount that we forget if we would focus on the human component first, the dollars, all of that would come after. I think that was so critical what you said. Yeah, spot on. Let me ask this here. And I think probably just because somebody wants to like probably learn from this in this aspect. So for you as a leader, right? 
I can only assume that a lot of people tend to look up to you continuously, either for answers, mm-hmm. for direction, for motivation, for inspiration, whatever. So how do you put yourself in a position to deliver on those fronts? Or how do you put yourself in a position to lead in a way that like matches who you are and what you want others to accomplish? I mean, I would I would touch on the road, uh, transparency. You know what I mean? I feel like for me, individuals, to your point, who look to me either just because that's the way the org structure flows up or because they believe in me and understanding those dynamics as well, I think makes a successful leader. Transparency, trust, and then just doing my best to stay knowledgeable. So for my people that know, you know, I'm an open book to an extent, know that I trust and I'm an individual that can be trusted. And then just, you know, just trying to stay up on top of your game. That's organizational knowledge or, or new updates, being able to speak to them to the best of my ability. And if I can't speak to them, knowing exactly who to go to, who can. So that's the knowledge piece. Transparency. So if I know something that's critical to us succeeding, the leaders who directly oversee those units or areas or people will know as well as soon or you know almost as soon as I do. And then just trust building forums where, where people can speak their mind and be willing to you know, ask questions in our group or outside of our group. I think those three components are extremely important. And then last one would be like servant leadership. So once you show individuals that you're willing to get it out the mud or put the boot on the ground, et cetera. I think those kind of things make a difference. And whether you're talking about in work or entrepreneur journeys, those make a difference as well. Because it's one thing, I'm sure you all know this, it's one thing to say this and say that, but you all have interns now. And unless you show them that you're willing to put in the work, it just, the message hits a little bit different. That's true. With them, I think like that's been the number one thing probably overall besides like the message because for me and for Carl like the message is always the same explain the vision we've explained where we're trying to go we've explained what it is now it's just like that leading by example and servant leadership trying to put them in situations where they not only succeed but then I've been having conversations with them on the side right and this is why I ask you like how do you inspire and how do you lead in that aspect because I can see from one side of it there's always that yearning look are they looking to be inspired simply because we're the ones that brought them on or is it because they believe in us so much that they want to be a part of that mission and so the question I wanted to ask you was I'm assuming for most entrepreneurs, at least as I've been reading through understanding stories and talking to people, there seems to be that turning point, that tide. Do you have one of those focal moments where you were just like, oh yeah, that definitely when I realized things had to like go in a certain direction and then they happened or inspired you or maybe what was the biggest failure? So I like the first question a bit more unconventional. So the turning point and to the question earlier about business, you know, when I think about business, I think about the experience and more importantly, the consumer experience, how, whether that be individuals that are coming to your events or individuals that are listening to your podcast. And unless you have a a strong business, you you can't really make people happy in a sustainable way. So for us, the turning point was, you know, at first we were just having fun. You know what? We have a few dollars. Let's get people together. Let's feed them. Let's offer some great conversations and some great structure and content. You know, do what we love. And that is talking health, thinking about real actions and bringing people together. And then from there, our consumers or at the time are what we thought were just our friends, you know, turned to customers and said, you know what? We have the ability to attend a conference every year. We're tired of the status quo. We want you all to do more. That was one big turning point saying, hey, this isn't enough you know, go bigger. So we ended up doing our first summit nationally and doing it in Orlando in the Lake Nona area. Had about 70 people come out, loved it, et cetera. And then the other big turning point was 
this past year in March. So we went to Durham. We had just awesome companies like the AMA, the American Medical Association, AARP, Walmart, some small cool entrepreneurs, startup companies like Impressive Health who are doing awesome things and just these companies that not only came but sponsored in big ways and said, we love what you're doing. It's just the energy from that on the front end and then getting to day three where we did our community impact challenge. You get to see the real reaction from communities that are just yearning to be heard from and just yearning to hear their story across multiple different aspects. That was touching as well. And it was one of those moments where we said, one, we have something special. Two, we're attracting the right people, great energy people that that love life and that really believe in us in three we have no choice but to continue so those are the two turning points that kind of jumped to my mind prior to COVID those are the things that keep us fueled during these times to kind of get back to it as soon as we kind of progress out of this track let me ask another question real quick a quick follow-up now you got me like in here right so you just said like you hit that point you realize you have no choice but to continue yeah at least in my experience understanding how it works out for others so something Carl and I was talking about even the longevity of podcasts Mm -hmm. right i think the average number of episodes people hit tends to be like six or seven something like in that area and as we were reflecting over this this past week part of it was like holy crap like we had that same moment where we said we literally have no choice but to keep going on because like when you realize the importance of the mission Mm -hmm. right the importance of the mission is like somehow at some point met with the adaptation of reality right now for y'all so you just had the thing and then covid hit now how are you and feel free to plug your joint by the way yeah Um, how are you now adjusting right because obviously you can't have like 150 200 people just pop up into a room so how are you adjusting to keep serving at the same or even the higher level yeah we're doing what what all organizations are trying to do and that is pivot and for us we've made a choice to not try to if that makes sense eat off of the covid pandemic we each are, are blessed to be able to deliver value in our day jobs we have an awesome community of people that are doing amazing things in their industries entrepreneurially and with their organization so for us we have an in-depth marketing plan laid out after the summer we're going to hit people with great recap videos and pictures and of course all that is kind of disrupted by the pandemic rightfully so so for us we are sitting back and we're thinking about how do we ramp up as soon as possible post-covid and delivering impact in a special way so you know we have some ideas for getting people together virtually or really honing in on life after COVID, right? So there's going to be a new level of hygiene. There's going to be a new level of, I think, passion, right? When you when you lose something like social events and stuff, you tend to not take them for granted. So we want people to focus on, on that and also be understood all of the learnings that we're seeing during this time from an industry standpoint. You know, we've moved quicker with things like telehealth and certain regulations that have been in place in response to COVID that for we probably would have been waiting five to 10 years for. So for us, we want to get all of those topics, the learnings, the wins, the losses, and spend most of our energy on post-COVID. So more to come on that. I'll let it say more to come. Oh, for sure. My bad. Now I'm just doing the back and forth with you. <laughs> I know Carl's got a question, but let me let me ask one more. Yeah. He's going to ask like three more, man. Yeah. He went easy on the intro so he can fill it in. Uh, what does the future of healthcare, you know, I've never asked this before. I don't know why, but what, what does the future of healthcare look like to you as an administrator mm-hmm. and then as an entrepreneur, two separate things? So, I mean, honestly, I think that if I and the individuals who I have the pleasure of working with on both sides of the spectrum, the two will collide. I think if you Google top traits of a leader, most polls will say that entrepreneurship is one of those traits just because of the energy, the, the innovative side of things. 
most successful healthcare organizations have an innovation arm. All of those individuals are led by folks who have an entrepreneur spirit. So we do everything we need to do right. We're really building on the current leaders in the industry and building kind of the next generation of innovators and leaders, right? So if we provide the right content, the right structure, either in person or not in person, we'll have an industry that is led by super talented, smart individuals who love health and community, with community being people tackling things like disparities and social determinants and actually building that into their book of business. We will have individuals who are responsible for lobbying and drafting up regulations also with that same mindset. So if we do everything we need to do over the next 10 years, kind of the core or the DNA of the industry will be infused with something special. So that's our goal, summit, one summit at a time, one pitch deck at a time, one event at a time. So I really think the two will connect for me and for my partners, Alex, Sam, Chelsea, and everybody else who, who helps us make this thing successful. So... Yeah, organized chaos for sure. I really like that because as I'm sitting here listening to you talk, one of the most undervalued things about an entrepreneur and not even just an entrepreneur, but a leader is being able to have that clarity in your vision. Mm -hmm. And sitting here listening to you talk, you didn't have to really think about it. It seems like it's something that you just, you've already had that in your mind. You already knew like, this is where we need to go. This is the vision. And I think that's great because a lot of people miss that. They tend to get stuck on the short term and forget, all right, like we got to have something to build up to because once we hit these short term goals, we need to look at, okay, what's next? So I think that's such an amazing thing to be able to have that clarity and that vision as a leader. Now, I want to kind of backtrack a little bit because there was something that you said that really struck my curiosity because I, I want to know how you kind of deal with it. So in terms of your leadership, in terms of the, the Young Health Leader Summit and everything that you want to do. One thing that you said is that with the summit before the whole COVID pandemic started, it just seemed like it was the right people, the right time, like everything just seemed like it was coming to you. Now, talk, mm -hmm. to, me, talk to me a little bit about that. How do you think you've been able to prepare yourself to be the right person to attract those kind of people to you? I think a little bit has been like our, I would call it provocative approach. We've in a professional way kind of made it known that one, we, we love our vision, we love our mission, and we love people more than anything. And then also kind of made it apparent that we're not happy with the status quo, whether it be the industry or the organizations that support the people of those industries. We've also more importantly made it super aware that we're partners and collaborators. So we're willing to work with individuals. But I think that confidence and mission and vision, and more importantly, that willingness to do things. So our whole, one of the foundational, I guess, elements that we bring into each summit and each event is this learn, share, do model. So learning, sharing, but more importantly, doing, and we always place emphasis on the do. So I talk a lot about the community impact challenge. Like that's a clear example of like, hey, we're not just going to come together, eat good and talk about things and have keynotes, but we're really going to dive into the local communities and collaborate and think in different ways. So just seeing 
us push our agenda on LinkedIn and communicate with people and do really speaks to one, the mission of the Advancement League, but two, just that overall entrepreneur spirit. You, when you feel passionate about something, you're going you're gonna to push it hard. And I think that attracts the right people because whether they're doing it in a different way or have been thinking about doing it or thought about doing it and for whatever reason didn't, those are the kind of people that are like, man, like I admire that or I want to learn from that. Or even people that say, hey, I like what they're doing, but they just reminded me that I can probably do it better. We welcome all of that industry. So I think combination of all that mission, the vision, the, the willingness to do it and, and stand behind it has attracted the right people and failing forward. You know what I'm saying? Like year three was hot. Survey results were amazing. Net promoter score was great. Overall logistics, but year one and year two, we failed a little bit. Food came a little late. People didn't really know where they were going, we, but we learned a lot. I think back to that do. You know, we're willing to try and keep failing forward and learn on the fly in some instances. So I like this stuff. Yeah, I respect that. When you talk about your role and your partner's role, kind of tell me, what is it like in terms of that dynamic when you're trying to navigate, we should do this versus no? How are you guys able to navigate with multiple personalities? Because I think that's something that a lot of entrepreneurs as well need to hear because they think that being an entrepreneur has to be something where you're solo. And it doesn't have to be. I think that if you're able to find the right team, that it's something that is more powerful when you have that unit behind you. So how are you guys able to kind of navigate through that with the, the different personalities and just the different opinions and backgrounds? Yeah, so it's three of us that founded it, Sam Balukov. He's out right now in Hawaii. He's a leader with the Kaiser Health System, doing amazing things, leading the platform. And I would He's kind of like a sounding board. I always call him the smartest person I know. He's, I feel like if you throw him on Jeopardy right now, he'll rock it. And he just knows all the random stuff, but is also an amazing leader. More behind the scenes, but he's definitely um, our sounding board. And then you have Alex and I. So Alex is a health leader with SaaS Technologies. So large, large company doing amazing things outside of healthcare and also in healthcare from a data and delivery standpoint out in North Carolina. And he is, you know, he's a passion. He's a foundational element of the advancement league. He's our designer, creator, stays up all night, helping us, you know, develop it. He's like a one-man marketing team and really just passion behind the advancement league. And then yeah, I'm the idea guy, the connection guy, the collaborative guy. And then we recently had the pleasure of kind of pulling in Chelsea, who is super passionate about community service and we always say she's just the most organized member of the group she, she keeps us on task she's gonna make sure that our ideas are contained in a way so just firstly understanding your role I know that Alex is gonna have a ton of ideas I know that I'm gonna have to bring them down and chop them up and make sure that they're succinct and that they're obtainable I know that Chelsea's gonna further tighten it up and I know that we need anything we can always call Sam so just that balance and definitely view them as family so being able to have tough conversations and also talk about life as well the beauty about the relationship is that we know about our families our significant others we their children and things of that nature so we we make time for life as well just one of those unique situations where paper we, we have everything succinct but from a from a non-business standpoint we're also on the same board but we go through the same thing that you would with a brother we disagree i have an idea and he gets shot down he has an idea and he gets shot down so it's all love just knowing your role and and also being fluid enough to play around with things has been has been phenomenal and it's only year three so it's, it's a lot more learning to do 
kind of piggybacking off the knowing your role for me even with the podcast or like with the business it's like ego tends to play a role i think with my personality type i usually think things through and when i present it to you it's not like the first time i thought about it so how do you maximize being able to work we'll call it your zone of genius yeah maximizing it always speaking up i would say not in a egotistical way but in a hey, if I'm not going to speak up for myself and my ideas within my business, where else would you do it? So just always be willing to throw your ideas out there and just having a partner or a team that, you know, receives that well and is willing to kind of not necessarily always shoot things down, but find a way to make things work. It's been fantastic. And then also to your point, just leaving your ego at the door, always asking yourself, you know, how is this going to benefit the mission and the vision? I think if you can find a way to always align that and your ideas with those two things, I think it just creates that that natural balance. Now, in terms of healthcare, what is one thing that if you could, you would change about healthcare and why? Less emphasis on the care piece, right? More emphasis on the health. So we talking about pharmaceutical companies or research or industries. I think we as an industry, especially in the States, like we do care really well from a scientific standpoint, from a treatment standpoint, based on what we have available. We do care really well, but more of that, how do we keep communities healthy? One of the leaders that I admire, Dr. David Feinberg, is now overseeing uh, the health arm of Google, previous CEO of Geisinger, most, most recently, you know, said like, my job is to close down hospitals and what he meant by that is i want people to be so healthy i want to do so much on the perimeters and outside of the hospitals that people don't need us you know what i mean emergency visits decrease hospitals decrease and i think that in itself is scary from a business standpoint but when you are trying to make lives healthier it's amazing right and making people healthy i think in itself also has an roi so great business people entrepreneurs you find a way to pivot so our goal is really to not completely remove care because it's necessary but start to place more emphasis on on health so that would be it's a big change but that's one that we chipping away at and we'll, we'll keep making ground on where do you think you have found the most fulfillment in your entrepreneurial journey and like it's nothing to see, like seeing a plan come together you know whether it be something simple as a website or 150 people coming together is a small number for for many large organizations but to see that come together and happy believe happiest best feeling ever right so just to see the, the late nights the phone calls the the passion the commitment to the mission the vision play out even in a small way i think it's extremely rewarding and you know bouncing and, and you know taking the energy from those moments to keep going i think it's super super important i don't give a you know if it's a small win um you know eating off those small wins and, and fueling that fire for the next one is uh super important so that's been the most rewarding is just the reaction from our partners our our consumers it's been special yeah it's been special for sure Overall, I'm looking at this now from like the perspective of somebody's looking at you and they're trying to figure out like step one, because if that's not been clear, like you're a phenomenal individual, if somebody's looking to you and saying, all right, just what's like the first two, three things I need to do to get started going down, like where you've gone down through just to get to where you are, what would you suggest to them? So one, yeah. So my, one of my favorite people of all time is my Angelo and she's a phenomenal woman. So I'm, I don't think I'm there yet. Phenomenal. But the first thing I always say, I'm the oldest of 10 siblings. So shout out to them. First thing I always say, man, is put pen and pencil to paper. Unless you can start, even if it's unorganized, get your ideas on paper, whether it be a notepad digitally in your phone or something, just writing it out and just dreaming a little bit. What does it look like? 
in your head what does it look like an ideal standpoint what does it look like in five years if you do everything right writing that out and then just landing on one thing to start with it'll be you know what i'm not gonna buy jays for two months i'm gonna buy a website or not going to eat out i'm gonna save that and invest in some equipment whatever that whatever that dream may be i think writing it on paper and then just picking one thing to start with and to deliver on i don't know just it's just like lighting the fire once you see that and you can scratch it off the list or put a check mark next to it, I think that's the energy that catapults into the next win, to the next try. And once you get five and you fail, you know, it gives you a little bit more energy to keep going. You have four wins that you know you can bounce off of. So two quick and easy steps. Always easy and said and done, but it's nothing easier than just writing out everything that's in your head on paper and dreaming a little bit to start. I got a, <laughs> I like that a lot. I have one more question for you. And I'm sure that they, they may collide because, you know, even though your position in your career and your position as an entrepreneur are two different things, your values as a man, those stay consistent. So with that being said, from a standpoint of if you were bringing someone onto your team, stepping into the healthcare administration role, and then from the standpoint of as an entrepreneur and wanting to do business with someone or wanting to bring someone to your summit, what are the three characteristics that you look for that determine whether or not you're going to work with that person? We just got done interviewing someone and some of the things that stood out is passion, passion specifically for the task at hand. I think those are things that you, you can't hide, you can't dress up. When you care about something, you care about it. So that's definitely one. I would describe it as just a general interest, right? And by that, I mean like just a knack for like wanting to know more. So type of individuals that want to know what the next six months holds and how how they can be a part of it and those individuals that really thought about me and put the questions post interview or have, have kind of immersed themselves in it those are two things that jump out in the last one just from i'll use use chelsea as an example back to that word do she kind of jumped out and has earned forever spot with the with the team because for the second year summit in san francisco she said hey really love what you're all doing more than how can I help but here's how I can help and when can I get started so she helped us rally up a team of just awesome undergrad and grad students to help us kind of serve on the second year summit it's kind of ADV lead volunteers right so she organized it got it together put together a dope meaningful application vetted those individuals showed up early etc so those are the kind of people that you want to reward it's a little bit easier for not from an entrepreneur standpoint but that also kind of comes out when you interview so those individuals that have proven experience and real stories tied to them that's a story that i continue to tell by her and i'm sure that's a story that she'll talk about in interviews and things of that nature so those are the three things that that jump to mind as of now pretty sure there's some some more descriptive buzzwords i could tie to them but those are the ones that come to mind it's been a pleasure man <laughs> yes yes no man it's dope man for real like no we you know we really appreciate you taking the time man because for us as as much as it is about being able to help other entrepreneurs i think it's also really about being able to push healthcare forward in a positive light yeah. Um, and I think one of the things that you said earlier that was important was the fact that having that entrepreneurial side is something that is very effective in the healthcare space. When a lot of people see the word entrepreneur, they already assume like this negative connotation, like, oh, scam artists, oh, you just want to sell me on things. You're not genuine. 
And so I think this podcast is a good way for us to be able to show like, no, like we are genuine. We do care. Don't get it twisted just because, yeah, like we want more for ourselves and, and we want to build something aside from our trade. That doesn't mean that we don't value human beings and we don't value people especially in the role that you are, man. I thought it was so critical to be able to kind of discuss that and, and, and have people see that side of things as well, man. So Tuan, thank you. We appreciate you. This was great, man. We're going to have to bring you back, but this 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 was great. I was going to say, we got to bring you back with the whole team. Yeah, yeah. Right? I want to say the dynamic of everybody, man. We definitely got to make that happen. Yeah, man. We'll chop it up. We'll hold you to that. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. For anybody, you know, for all the listeners, everybody that's tuning into this episode, if they're interested in, in, in getting in contact with you or reaching out, what information would you leave with them? Any email, social media, anything? Go for it. Yeah. So Instagram, at advancement league would be the best one-stop shop our personal profiles are linked to that it talks about all the good stuff we're, we're doing the, the communities we impact and so we'll, we'll keep it simple and then you know the website www.advancementleague.org start there and, then, and go from there all right sounds good well once again Tuan, thanks so much man we appreciate you tell the team get ready next time we gonna we gonna do it's gonna be like a two-hour episode and now we gonna <laughs> definitely <laughs> we'll have a good time man but but for real you know we appreciate you brother keep doing what you're doing we love to see that in the healthcare space we look forward to connecting with you again so thank you yes sir i appreciate y'all man stay safe of course everybody thank y'all for listening you know we love y'all we appreciate you if you like this episode like subscribe share comment all the above either way we appreciate you for listening you could have been anywhere else but you chose to be here much love many blessings and we'll catch you guys next time peace thank you for listening to another episode of off the clock this episode was brought to you by The Accepted System. The Accepted System is a program that helps pre-physical therapy students get into physical therapy school without wasting time or money. This episode was also brought to you by PhysioMemes. PhysioMemes helps PT businesses to increase their referrals through word of mouth marketing by growing their brand with an online store. PhysioMemes. This episode was also brought to you by the Acceptance Navigator series. Most pre-PT students go on to spend hundreds of dollars applying to multiple DPT programs, with the majority of them having less than 40% confidence that they will actually get accepted that cycle. You have been taught that regardless of all the work you put into applying, you really don't have much control over your acceptance into PT school. The truth is, you actually do. Let the Acceptance Navigator series show you how. You can find them at www.acceptancenavigator.com. When you go on there, make sure to let them know that Paul and Carl sent you over to jumpstart your acceptance into physical therapy school. Thank you for listening and keep tuning in.